his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to an inn, to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this word. Thank you that it's your word. Open our hearts to hear it, Lord, and to practice it by your grace. I ask in your name. Amen. Please be seated. Here are a few lessons from humor columnist Dave Barry. It says him, it says it took him 50 years to learn these lessons. Number one, never under any circumstances take a sleeping pill and a laxative on the same night. Number two, if you had to identify in one word the reason why the human race has not achieved and never will achieve its full potential, that word would be meetings. Number three, there is a very fine line between hobby and mental illness. Number four, never lick a steak knife. And number five, a person who is nice to you but rude to the waiter is not a nice person. Just a reminder, we're studying the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. Christian character is one unit. And as we look at the multiple traits that the Apostle Paul lists as the fruit of the Spirit, then you need to know that if you study this subject carefully, you'll recognize that really one trait will blend into another. Which is why I've entitled each part, since the part on love, what love produces. The love of Christ in each of us will lead us to experience the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, the patience of God. And yes, it will lead us to be kind. Now, we know whether a person is nice or not based on how that person treats us, right? Usually that's the case. But what if it's your job to be kind? I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus said that there was this expert in the law who wanted to justify himself. Maybe, maybe he hadn't been too good to other people. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In the parable, Jesus tells of a man who was in great need. He'd been robbed. He'd been beaten. He'd been left half dead. So... Who would show this man kindness? Well, certainly not the priest and not the Levite. John Sanderson writes, these were the upper classes among the Jews, the examples of virtue which lower classes would follow. They were neither kind nor merciful. But the Samaritan was. Maybe the priest and the Levite should have resigned in Jesus' story. After all, some would say it was their job to help this Samaritan. I'm still getting ahead of myself. Let's look at two lessons this morning, which are two questions that come out of the text. And question number one is this. 
What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, the one who comes to Jesus as a lawyer, he's not the kind of lawyer that we know of that represents you in court. He was an expert in the law of the Old Testament is why he was called an expert in the law. And if he'd been a lawyer, he would have known you don't have to do anything to inherit anything. Because he was an expert, though, of the law of God, he definitely didn't think that Jesus, an uneducated man, had anything that he could teach him. Which is why our text says he came to test Jesus. He wasn't there to learn. But even so, he was about to learn a lot. This expert asked Jesus, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Notice that Jesus does not answer his question, but instead, as often was the case, he responds to his question with a question. This was a typical response on the part of Jesus. He did this a lot. So Jesus asked him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And so if you look at the text again at verse 27, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So at this point, the lawyer should have prayed for mercy. He should have fallen on his knees and said something to the effect of help me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Forgive me of all my sins. Instead, this expert who thought he knew it all said to Jesus, I know the law. Here's what it says. And Jesus played along with him and said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So I want you to understand that when Jesus said, do this and you will live, he basically was saying, good answer. Now go do it. And it kind of shocked the guy. So think about the response on the part of Jesus, which really obviously caught the man off guard. And it made him wonder, does Jesus know something about me that I don't want him to know? In other words, does Jesus know that I haven't really loved God and others perfectly? The NIV, which is the version that I'm reading from, it, it doesn't make this clear to us. But if you have a New American Standard Bible... It actually does. It, it puts the lawyer's response in capital letters so that we know he's actually quoting from the Old Testament. So Jesus throws him a curve and basically quotes to him Leviticus 18, verse five, which reads, keep my decrees and laws for the person who obeys them will live by them. Now, the words of the law require that not only you keep the law, but also that you keep the law perfectly so that in order to be justified by the law, you would have to be perfect. And this lawyer did not want to hear that. I remember years ago I was uh, watching a, a late night program and they had Pat Robertson on there. Now, if you know who Pat Robertson is, you know, he's the 700 Club. He's still on television. And, uh, you know, at certain times his popularity is, has gone up and down. And on this particular show, he was at the height of popularity. And the questioner thought, I'll just catch Pat Robertson off guard. And so he asked him this question. So tell me, Pat, will, will Jews go to heaven? And, you know, that's a question that, that if asked on a live broadcast, you might just panic and not know what to say. He gave the most beautiful answer. 
Pat Robertson said, oh, oh, yes, if they obey the law perfectly. If they obey the law perfectly. And see, that's what this young man, this expert in the law, was hearing Jesus say. Do you obey the law perfectly? So you can just imagine the sweat pouring off this expert's brow, because even though he thought he was doing good enough, like a lot of us, thought he was doing good enough to inherit eternal life, he now sees that what Jesus requires is impossible. Can any of you obey the law perfectly? No, not even close, right? By the way, Jesus wasn't teaching works righteousness, but rather he was teaching the impossibility, the impossibility of salvation by works. So if you'll turn with me to Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter three, verses 10 and 11. The Apostle Paul is writing about works righteousness, and he says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. So Jesus was simply trapping this expert who thought he was trapping Jesus. Jesus was the greatest. He was the greatest communicator. He was the greatest in terms of trying to catch people who were trying to catch him. So this expert thought he was justifying himself with his response. He now sees that he has condemned himself. And in the process, he's condemned the whole world. Which is what led him to get away from the first question by asking a second question. So the second question, or the second lesson for us, is who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Why did he ask this question? He was doing what some lawyers are very good at doing. He was looking for a technicality in the law. He was trying to find some excuse that would get him off the hook. And from the standpoint of this Jewish expert, who was his neighbor? According to him, one of his fellow Israelites, one of his fellow Israelites. So knowing that this Jewish lawyer is lacking in his love toward his fellow man, Jesus tells him the story of the Good Samaritan. The Jews had different views about who a person's neighbor was. It did not include everyone. Gentiles were certainly not considered neighbors to the Jews. At any rate, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a rough one. It's known as the Rift Valley, descending into Jericho from the hills of Jerusalem. It was noted for its swift descent from a height of 2,500 feet above sea level to 770 feet below sea level. So the hills were a perfect place for for bandits to hide out and surprise an unsuspecting traveler. A traveler is ambushed, brutally beaten, left for dead. It was everyone's fear in Jesus's day because the Roman road system had not yet made it to Palestine. So after the ambush, Jesus says that a priest and a Levite came to the place where the man was. The priest would be the clergyman, the one in Jesus' day who was responsible for the worship and the sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem. The Levites actually assisted the clergy with their duties in the temple as well as in their other duties. So the two were actually a cut above 
the rest of society. And especially you would expect that these two would be more likely to help out someone in need. Yet Jesus says they both pass by on the other side. The question is why? Well, there's several possibilities. They might have felt the situation, first of all, was hopeless. I mean, this person was going to die anyway. It looked so bad. So why even try? Number two, they might have felt the situation was too dangerous. In other words, they could have thought that the the robbers were still around. And so as a result, they didn't want to get apprehended and and beaten. Or thirdly, they might have felt the situation presented to them spiritual problems. You think, well, what is that about? Well, in other words, if the man was dead or if he was a foreigner, then the possibility of of their becoming unclean would be a strong possibility. Because if you came in contact with a dead person or a foreigner, that would make a Jewish person unclean. Bottom line is they, they just moved around on the other side and got out of the way so they wouldn't have to do anything. They refused to help the man. They did nothing. And so then Jesus mentions a third person. A Samaritan. Samaritans were the Jews' least favorite people. Jews couldn't stand Samaritans because Samaritans were half-breeds. They were descendants of the people left by the devastation of the Assyrians in the 8th century B.C. The Assyrians destroyed the people of God, the Israelites, in the 700s B.C. So there was animosity between these two, and it increased over time. But it was actually at its worst when the Samaritans built their own temple on Mount Gerizim. In 128 B.C., the Jews attacked Samaria and destroyed their temple and their city in an effort to force the Samaritans to be back in line with the Jewish people. Rome's takeover of Palestine gave some hope to the Samaritans. But the bottom line is Jews and Samaritans... They despised one another. So a Samaritan helping a Jew was a controversial thing. His response to the victim was he had compassion on him. In other words, because a man is a man, he should be helped at all costs. So what did the man do? What did the Samaritan do for this man in the situation? Well, he, he did a lot. Listen to verse 34 and 35 again. He he went to him and bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an end and took care of him there at the end. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. That's a a day's wages and said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. (laughs) He sounds like to me he did more than what he should have. More than what was expected. So the answer to Jesus's question is is obvious, is it not? Who was a neighbor to the man? The Samaritan. But when the Samaritan, when the when the expert actually answers the question, he couldn't say the word Samaritan. He couldn't he couldn't say the word out of his mouth. So he said the one who had mercy on him. That's that's the one. That's the one that was the good man. And so to the question that Jesus asked us today, who is my neighbor? The answer would be anyone who is in need. Anyone who is in need. Ephesians 4 says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ 
has forgiven you. And so when you think about it from the standpoint of how much God has forgiven you, how much God has blessed you, that should strike a chord in our hearts and our nerve. It should make us feel something, feel compassion. You know, the Bible also says that we should take care of those in the body of Christ. But we should also take care of those in the world who need our help. So having said that, the question does remain, how does that impact us today? I mean, how do we determine if someone is really in need or taking advantage of us? How do we determine if someone is really in need or maybe they have a mental disorder or a chemical imbalance or even a chemical dependency? Does this mean if everyone's our neighbor, does this mean we pick up every hitchhiker on the side of the road? Certainly not. Does it mean we help every person who comes to this church? No, it does not. But it does mean whatever we do, we do it in wisdom and we do it on behalf of the whole church. It also means we always do what we do led by the spirit of our God and we do what we do in love. That's a real hard thing, isn't it? When you pull up to that stoplight where the guy is sitting there with his guitar You know who I'm talking about. You've seen him. What do you do? Do you help that guy? It's kind of hard to talk to a guy when you're at a stoplight, isn't it? You pray for wisdom. You pray that God would give you the love that you need for that person. And yes, sometimes you make hard decisions. Sometimes you have to say, no, I can't do it. And other times you have to make the sacrifice and do something for someone who needs you and needs your help. And and that really is the question. Does this person need my help? Or not? Galatians 5, 6 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. How much love and kindness do you show to people that you don't know? That brings us to our verse of the week, which is Matthew 5, verses 43 through 47. Let's read it together in your bulletin. Matthew 5:43 through 47. Let's read it together. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Do not even pagans do that. Bob Deffenbaugh says this. He says, Jesus challenges us to ask ourselves whether or not we are good neighbors to those in need. God does not want us to give him a textbook definition of loving our neighbor. He wants us to demonstrate love for our neighbor in the real world by showing compassion to one in need. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon those who believe and trust in Jesus as Lord and King. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you live in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Lots of us probably need to repent. Over our hard heart. And yet it doesn't mean you're a doormat for anyone that comes your way. It does mean 
that we listen to the voice of God. We listen to the spirit of our God. He prompts you to help someone. If someone's right in your path, how are you going to turn away? How are you going to show kindness? How are you going to show the love of Christ? Well, you're going to do it just like the Good Samaritan. Just like the Good Samaritan. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the kindness that you've shown to us. We thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness that you've shown to us so many times. And we've taken it for granted. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will help us to walk in the power of your spirit. To know that you are with us and breaking our hearts over our condition, but also breaking our hearts over the condition of those that we encounter. And when we encounter those in our lives, Lord, who have great need, give us wisdom, give us love. And whatever we do, may we give that cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, regardless of what they do with it. Show us, Lord, what to do. That we might be your people in this world, reflecting the love of Christ to a lost world. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.